Hello, everybody. Matthew for another episode of Junction. We're doing another Q&A. We'll do these like every so often, depending on the outcry for more. And joining me today is very own Haley. Say what's up, Robert. What's up, everybody in Fanboy Junction? Let's get into it. Let's definitely do that. And one of these days, what I'm going to learn is to have everything queued up the moment we start. <laughs> so that we can just roll into things. <laughs> right. Now, the big thing I want to do is um, kind of as I'm pulling this stuff up is probably what I need to do is give you guys a week because uh, it seems like recently what I've been doing is just saying like, hey, here are the questions or we're having a Q&A episode in a couple of days. I don't know if people just aren't seeing these things or what, but I think what I might start doing is maybe giving it a week. This was kind of a on the fly idea so and as per usual ariel cisney sent in about 50 questions <laughs> and then we got one from my friend lee and we'll kind of go through these in order and uh some of them will kind of clip up a little don't i've got an idea of a question i'm going to ask you you have an idea of a question you ask me we'll kind of discuss that so, without further ado, let's go ahead and just go through these in order. Um, all right, Ariel asks, what is your favorite animated superhero show, and why is it Batman the Animated Series? <laughs> <laughs> I like it, I like it. Um, what about you, Robert? Like, I mean, I know, because if memory serves, Batman the Animated Series comes out just before the X-Men animated show, and you're pretty yeah. young when both of those things come out. Yeah, I'm I'm at the perfect age, I would say, for for both of them, uh, because that was really, I mean, that was my entry point, that was my formative time into superheroes. So yes, absolutely, I would say Batman the Animated Series is is my favorite, um, and you know, I mean, it's for all the reasons that it's everyone's favorite. I think the the storytelling still holds up. Um, certainly the uh, the talent of the animators and the voice cast is uh, incredible. And, you know, I mean, it's just the character of Batman, I think, is really uh, able to be fleshed out in that series in a way that we haven't seen in any medium besides the comics. Um, and so you just get that character of Batman and uh, the opportunity to be the detective and uh, all of those pieces that I think are are at least for me, what uh, really draws me into that character. And, and as I've said before on other episodes, he is my, my favorite superhero character. So um, absolutely, I would say uh, that series really just gives you a chance to, to get to know Batman on a level that um, you don't get to do anywhere besides the comics. Uh, and so uh, that's, for me, why it's my favorite. Yeah, I think, and it's kind of funny because, you know, I think there's, Ten, minimum 10 15 in the middle of high school when this cartoon starts mm-hmm. and i think for me it was really solid and <clears throat> especially because there'd never been anything like that before and i think that's something that um like it's you know we did heavy metal a couple episodes ago and that yeah. was a, an American cartoon that is unlike any kind of American cartoon. I mean, you have the Ralph Bakshi, like Fritz a cat, but like really kind of trying to be mainstream. And I think that, you know, people 
we hadn't had an adult cartoon yet. And not that Batman animated series is super adult, but it's not your typical Saturday morning. Everything is very basic so kids can follow it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with a cartoon series like that, but I think that was what really kind of made this beyond just that and stand the test of time. And, you know, cause there's cartoon series where you go back and you're like, ee, but I'll watch with my kids and they have a good time with Batman animated series. I still get a lot out of it, especially like I really like the first season and I like the last season, the third season for me is kind of, eh, but that was because at that point it had become very commercialized. Right. Um, but I really did. I really, I, I do think I have to say it's my favorite. But, well, because I say, like, I say this, Justice League Unlimited, I think, is my favorite, to be honest. But I don't know if you can, like, it's all Timverse, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, all kind of evolved into Justice League Unlimited. So it's almost, (laughs) you can't, I almost say, you can't really say unlimited and not because of everything that was before it that brought it to that you know what i mean yeah certainly it it laid the foundation for you know modern animated superhero uh, storytelling um in a way that you know certainly nothing else ever had and and you know nothing else will ever have the opportunity to do because it's already done it uh so yeah i i understand exactly what you're saying and i would agree i think that um you know, I actually I haven't been too heavily involved in uh, superhero cartoons outside of I, I've you know watched some of the the animated movies, but the actual animated series um, I haven't haven't really kept up with them. So uh, you know, I don't have a lot to compare Batman the animated series to. It's mostly um, you know memories of the X Men series, which I refuse to go back and revisit for fear that it will <laughs> not hold up. And so uh, and then you know like I I remember um, Teen Titans you know I was I, I really uh, enjoyed that show a lot but again I was still a kid um, when I was kind of watching that show and um, that's another one where uh, you know I think that there are probably aspects of it that that hold up well but other aspects that probably wouldn't. See, and the the thing with Teen Titans, honestly, is I think. For a younger kid, it seems really mature. But when you go back and watch it, Teen Titans Go isn't that far of a step from it. <laughs> like, it really isn't. Um, because I can remember when that show came out, me, you know, by then, when Teen Titans starts, you know, my daughter, my oldest is, you know, seven, eight years old. So she watched it and I would watch it with her. But I can remember looking at that and kind of scoffing with the, man, this is really for kids (laughs) because Justice League Unlimited is happening at the same time. Sure. So you've got this really mature, really solid story-driven thing. And not that Teen Titans wasn't that way, but it had a lot more of the anime influence. It had a lot more of the, and they would make the different faces and go super deformed, you know? So it's funny to me that the people who grew up with that cartoon now are crapping on Teen Titans Go!, and I'm like, you need to go back and watch that show. It was not <laughs> like anyone. The... Oh, sorry. I was just going to anyone that, that grew up on 
something like Thundercats and and liked it is not allowed to crap on any animation that comes out ever. And I'm one of those people. I liked Thundercats when I was a kid, but you're not allowed to crap on anything that comes out nowadays if you liked Thundercats when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> and, and the thing of it is is like I actually really liked Teen Titans Go. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's one of those where I think that series is one of those series where you can tell the people who work on it love and hate all the things that everybody loves and hates. <laughs> if you really kind of watch that show, they dig at all the DC movies, the Marvel movies. They make fun of things across the board. They have, you know, hints and kind of influence to other things. It really is a sharp show, but I mean, it ultimately is very kid oriented, very kind of insane. You can get past that and kind of you know it's really fun but so obviously batman made series slash all the timbers are our favorites what is your second favorite cartoon series um i mean if we're talking just superhero stuff you know again yes. I, I don't have i don't have a lot that i have reference to um and so for me it would probably be something that i haven't watched since i was a kid which is the x-men series um I still have such a connection to uh, the X-Men and the mutants. Um, it's something that, you know, I think the, the storytelling um, has really, you know, I, has just lived with me. Um, and so I don't, I don't actually remember a lot of the specifics from the show. I remember loving it. And I remember, uh, you know, the, the X-Men and versus, you know, versus the, um, you know, Magneto's brotherhood and, and all of those things. And that's really what has, um, you know, what has stayed with me and, and part of what has, has kept me connected to, uh, not just the Marvel universe, but the kind of the mutant verse, um, you know, since I was a kid is I've always just really, really connected with those characters. You got it. Got it. And I think that it, I think that is really hard to do what at the time was nearly impossible, which is make a comic book cartoon that looks like a comic and draws heavily from a comic. But then they were shackled by having to stay within, you know, they were a network cartoon. You had to stay within all the boundaries and rules and regulations of the network stuff. So they tried. I think you and I discussed it on your interview episode is I think then again, another that was late in high school is I had already been introduced to anime. Yeah. So I knew how far the medium could go. So to watch that show and just kind of go, how is this the animation they went with? You know, I know <laughs> it can be better than this. And I think that was really threw me out of it. And then on top of that, and I've, I've always kind of fought against this in a way is I, I kind of get annoyed with the, we're going to start this show with the popular team, not the original team. Sure. And some characters suffer from that. And that's something that will roll into the next question, which is like a character like Cyclops, who just kind of gets turned into this weird, you know, stiff board character because we didn't go through his journey and now Wolverine is kind of the headline of everything. But anyway, I, I think that, I, but yeah, it's, I, I think I crapped on it the last time we talked about it. I can't really crap on it. <laughs> it, 
it just was it was just i was already a late teen by the time it came out and it just yeah. didn't speak to me the way it would have 10 years before you know I um, but i think my second favorite cartoon series like you know i keep going all over the place thinking about ones and and people are probably going to think i'm going to say young justice but it's not um i think man like i'm surprising myself by saying this but i think it's a draw between batman brave and the bold and uh <clears throat> ultimate spider-man i really liked ultimate spider-man hmm. but i think ultimate spider-man benefited from one by then sony had kind of released the reins a little bit on spider-man so Disney and Marvel could be fully involved in the development of the cartoon. And two, they had been through four or five different Spider-Man cartoons and seen what worked and what didn't, and were able to really lock down how to make Spider-Man work in the modern era. And I thought that that was really neat to kind of give it almost like a weird social media spin so that you didn't have this guy who's just like talking in his head and doing internal monologue. He's breaking the fourth wall. And sometimes he breaks the fourth wall. It's more like a, a social media post or, or him kind of doing a video. So I thought it was very, very good. Cause I think the problem I have with Spider-Man is sometimes they weigh him down with the angst and don't right. let him have fun. And in that show, they really just said, screw this. We're going to let him have fun. And it really in that in that series. I think those are my two kind of cross between you know the, my second favorites is those two. And then the other, you know, Brave and the Bold is just brilliant. You don't think Dietrich Batter, goofy guy from the Drew Carey show, would make a perfect Batman? <laughs> but he makes a perfect Batman, and he, yes. you know, the animation style looks like it's for kids, but man, that show gets really dark. Had a couple of episodes, really fun, but it's it's definitely on on the top of my list of favorite uh, superhero cartoons. So, awesome. All right, well then we're rolling into Ariel again. He says, "Which X Men animated show are you most partial to? Which X character got the best adaptation, the worst?" And then, um, well, we'll roll into that. We'll go with those. Obviously, you've answered the question of which X Men <laughs> yes show you like. I personally li- really liked. X-Men Evolution. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched it before. Um, I think I've seen bits and pieces, you know, but but yeah, I, I didn't I haven't kept up with, you know, animated uh I, I hesitate to call them cartoons, but I, I haven't kept up with uh animated work really um, you know, in I don't know, at least fifteen years, probably more than that. So no <laughs> I, it's not because I, you know, I'm not trying to like say I'm above the medium or anything. I don't have time to watch this stuff, man. Yes. <laughs> I still haven't finished Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah, I uh, know. I'm there with you. I, I, um, you know, I have another answer for the previous question, but we're gonna keep going forward. Um, <laughs> no, because I was thinking, I just realized, duh, Teenage Ninja Turtles is a comic book movie or cartoon. Mm. That probably would sneak in there. Um. I liked X-Men Evolution only because, you know, as much as I, I don't, I like when they kind of stick with the characters. I also like when they do a different spin on a character. And the whole concept behind that is 
Wolverine, Storm, Beast, Professor X are the teachers, and all the other X-Men are the students. Mm-hmm. So you've got a kind of weird role, role reversal with Cyclops being a teenager and Wolverine being an adult. And I think, and this kind of rolls into why does everyone hate Cyclops? He is one of my favorites, which Ariel asked, is that the problem with Cyclops is you too often, more often than not, they make him the straight man to Wolverine. So right. he looks like the, you know, boring guy who's just trying to keep Wolverine down. And part of that is because you not you don't get the time to develop the character or you cut his scenes out to develop him in the movies. And kind of doing this change completely eliminates that. Because now Wolverine and Cyclops are no longer peers. Right. So now you have Cyclops and Jean Grey and Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride and and some of the other characters and Rogue kind of having their own, you know, interpersonal relationships. And you really get to see just how cool Cyclops can be. Yeah, and, definitely. I would say, um, you know, talking about Spike, Cyclops specifically, certainly in the movies, uh, he's, you know, if you look at the original, you know, trilogy that came out um, with James Marsden as Cyclops, it was, clear that they were relying on the actor to bring a certain amount of of charm to that character and and let you connect with him through that because they didn't include any of that in the script um or the writing it it really was uh you know they from the beginning it was focused on the character of wolverine and you know and professor x and magneto certainly um and Cyclops has, has really been pushed to the side in those things. And from what I remember of the animated series, uh, it, it was something similar where, as you said, they, you know, Cyclops was the straight man, but it was, it was more than that. It was that Cyclops almost had like no personality, not just like a boring personality, but like the absence of personality. Yes. Um, and that really, you know, I, I, I don't know, because I, I mean, you can be, you know, a straight man, you take a, you know, you look at somebody like Captain America or Superman um, and, you know, they're straight men. They don't, you know, play the comedy role or the, you know, the angsty role. They, they know who they are and what they're about. And they're very strong in that belief, um, but they're not boring. And, you know, I, I just think that the character has been very mishandled, um, you know, really ever since Wolverine became, the foil to him uh, and they kind of introduced that, I guess, you know, kind of rivalry between the two of them. It's always, and, and, you know, it's not Cyclops's fault, but you know, Wolverine is just cooler if you will. And so everyone, you know, gravitated towards that character and telling, you know, stories of that character and the mysterious past and all of those things. And it just served to make Cyclops, you know, like just a, a complete non-entity, which is, you know, really unfortunate because I think that character has so much to offer and, you know, has, you know, such a challenging position within the traditional X-Men of, you know, trying to be the the team leader that's, you know, managing all of these different personalities and all of those things in the field. And, you know, they just really, uh, you know, they, they really neutered that character. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it, that is true. And I like James Marsden. I thought he was good in the for the role. And yeah, yeah, he just you, once you get backseat. Well, if one you get backseat to the character of Wolverine, and then by the time X Men Two comes out, Hugh Jackman is a star. So now you're getting more backseated. <laughs> yeah, and sure. by the time the third movie comes out, Hugh Jackman is a superstar, and you're just like, dude, you just never stood a chance of being able to be a good Cyclops in this show, but. But yeah, I think that's why I liked X-Men Evolution. It really kind of eliminated that and turned it into something different. Next question is, which Avenger should be the star of their own cartoon show without the rest of the team? What do you think? Uh, I think Ariel is obsessed with animation right now. Um, which? Well, hold on. Let me preface it with this. is because I <laughs> put under there a note, because I think last time there was a lot of comic book questions. Yeah, and you, my wife, Ryan, do not read comics to the level that Demarcus, Larry, and I do. Sure. Because I wasn't sure who was going to be co-hosting, I just kind of put a thing of like, "Don't ask combo questions. Keep it cartoons." And then he just kind of <laughs> full on laid into all the cartoon stuff. So, what, <laughs> which Avenger do you think should have his own cartoon without the rest of the team? Um, well, I mean, if we're looking at you know the. Avengers roster that you know exists kind of in the MCU in the movies um, today because of course the Avengers have had you know just tons of characters throughout uh, throughout their history. Um, I would say actually I I would be really in, interested and intrigued by uh, a Black Widow show, um, kind of a spy show. I, I think that that's something that would be um, cool to explore in animation. It's the type of character that um, you could uh, see going off on her own. Um, you know, I, I think that that would make for a really intriguing um, premise and something that's maybe a little bit different than at least what I'm familiar with in the animation world is, um, you know, something that's more underground, more, uh, you know, like I said, a little bit, spy related and i think that you know that's the type of thing that in an animation medium you could do a lot of really cool stuff with uh and not necessarily have to have you know the big uh fight scenes and explosions and all that stuff but making it more of a uh you know just kind of an intimate uh spy spy related genre show um that would be something that i would definitely be intrigued in um, to see to see that brought to animation, and like I said, I think that character lends lends herself to being more of a a solo adventure character. Uh, so that's what I would say. I, I think that would be cool to see. Okay, I, I think I mean you know I'm always going to say Captain America for everything because he's one of my <laughs> favorites. But I think something that sometimes is never explored is, and especially because of course, in the movies, they had to just like get him into the Avengers is just really kind of playing with the things he did in world war one or world war two, the things he did, you know, cause there's huge gaps between all the MCU movies. If we're, you know, with the kind of pseudo idea of sticking with that is I think you can, you have so much more you could do with him. Yeah that's not cosmic and do like you're kind of not want to say the super the pseudo spy thing but something along those lines one of my favorite story arcs of captain america is operation rebirth it was written by mark wade it was john drawn by ron garney and it's this is late 90s and what they had done is almost pr they pretty much killed captain america 
He'd gotten like super brittle. They put him in armor. Mm-hmm. Really ridiculous. And then he dies and he gets brought back. And it's this, you know, this is when Sharon Carter came back to the universe, the Marvel comics. And it's just him going against the Red Skull doing these covert missions because everybody thinks he's dead. And, you know, I think doing that kind of thing, like you're saying, is, you know, nothing. It doesn't have to be every single thing is is the end of the world. But just having him kind of do these missions, roam the land, do whatever, I think might be interesting. But um, other than that, uh, it's kind of weird because it, it just depends on the kind of animation. Like, I think the Captain America thing would work as a Saturday morning thing and could be fun. Yeah. You know, even set it in World War II and have the Bucky thing. I don't know how because everybody's afraid of Nazis. Um, but as far as using them. Yes. But, um, but I think also, like, there's a series that came out a couple of years back of Hawkeye. And it's just basically Hawkeye living in New York in this apartment and him dealing with the people on the street and the thugs on the street. And I think if you wanted to go a little more adult with the cartoon, maybe something you could slap on Netflix that wasn't as kiddie. I think that would be something interesting to explore is just that story of him living in New York and kind of, you know, trying to defend the, the neighborhood. Sure. Um, without having to do, you know, let's totally mess it up. But I think that would be something that could be very, very interesting. So, okay, let's see what else. Let's see. Ariel again. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. We're going to see if we're going to, if we need to do everything. see. Let's see. Uh, are there any heroes person on backstory? Even spend now. Which has a, okay. Let's see. So we got, which one he's basically asking is there a heroes person on backstory or even powers that you think is boring or which superhero has the worst costume. Do you have anything off the top of your head on that one? Uh, power set. That's boring. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, Eldrak the door, the inhuman, who's just a portal. That's pretty boring. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> There's a lot of inhuman yeah. characters that have very boring powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some of that. Um, I can't think of anyone. I mean, you know, uh, trying to think. <laughs> nope, I got nothing. Which hair superhero has the worst costume? Um, I think the one I would have to say, and he doesn't wear it anymore, but this was a, again a '90s character. He was called the Demolition Man, mm. or I think it was Demolition Man, and his costume was a looked like a combination of Daredevil and Wolverine. It was atrocious, but it was like orange and red. It was just look it up, people. The Demolition Demolition Man, I think is what his name was. He was a Captain America character. It was. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, what about you? You got anything that you can think of about worst co- costume? Um, you know, not really. I mean, I think that costumes have undergone so much of a, an evolution. I mean, there's some of those old costumes that really uh, stand out as as being kind of ridiculous, like um, you know, the Luke Cage costume, uh, or, um, or I guess you know, Power Man. Um, yeah yeah i mean i don't i don't know i think that you know for for the most part it's just things are so different now than they than they used to be and um the the ones that are cringy now are you know like the uh costumes where there's you know 
just we're we're basically turning all all of our female characters into sex symbols um that's a little weird and awkward so pick pick uh, your favorite female character and look at their costume when they were first introduced and there you go that's a bad one there you go yeah that's a good idea <laughs> all right so let's roll into this next one this is lee smith um an old childhood buddy of mine and he is asking why is watchman the best comic movie that ever that was ever and will ever be made um i'm gonna i'm gonna start off with this and i'm gonna say well it i'm glad that you love it lee i really <laughs> do. i don't think it's even in my top 10 what about you uh it is not in my top 10 i do enjoy the movie um i think that it is a uh, a very faithful adaptation from a visual standpoint to the comic which is absolutely one of my favorite um you know stories of all time i think the graphic novel is incredible i think the uh visual stylings of the movie are very good we've talked before about some of the casting issues that we have um i also will say that um you know even with the extended version and with all of those things there's just the story is just too bloated for a, a feature film if you ask me i think that um it is a movie that while i enjoyed it having the history of the of the graphic novel um my sister who's not someone that you know has has ever read the graphic novel uh you know she she had asked me if she should watch the movie and i i said no i said there's if you don't have the background of the graphic novel i don't think that this is a movie that works i think that there's just so so many character motivations that um you don't have time to explore in the movie and so uh, it's hard for me to say that it's the the best you know comic book movie of all time it certainly is a very visually faithful adaptation i i actually really enjoy what they do with the ending and changing that um from the comic ending i think it works really well in the movie um but yeah it's it's definitely not my favorite it's it's also not in my top 10 yeah i i think it's i think watchmen is ahead of its time i think if watchmen had come out five or ten years later and they would have given them a real budget you know it's the same thing i'd said before we talked about it is get a real budget so you can actually afford the right actors you know what i mean yep and then i because like you know osmond diaz totally wrong silk spectre totally wrong um night owl's costume was a little too batman for my taste uh, but I didn't. I didn't have a problem with what they did with the story. I just thought, like, I just wasn't buying that dude as Amandias. I wasn't buying a lot of the, the characters, and that kind of throws it for me. Um, <clears throat> and it doesn't and have I, to be um, what's it called? Like it doesn't. Like I said, I think I said it before. It's not like you have to cast Brad Pitt as Amandias. No. But it's got to be somebody who can at least hold their own in these parts. And him and Maylene Ackerman. I mean, they were both horrible in the movie, in my opinion. Um, but it also was, you know, it could have been a three-hour movie, and it probably should have been. Well, and it is in the extended version. Um, and I, I will say that that extended version is an improvement. I think it, I think it adds a lot to it. But I think that's one of my problems that I have with Zack Snyder in general is that he makes movies – uh, that you know are his own vision and then you know he, he doesn't collaborate well with his studio because if the studio is telling you make a two-hour movie then you need to make a story that makes sense in two hours and 
you know, he's not, he, he didn't do that um, with something like Watchmen. There are a lot of gaps and they get filled in by the extended version, but the majority of people that see that movie are only ever going to see uh, the initial, you know, two hour version that has a ton of gaps in it. So, uh, you know, I think that I have that, that problem with Zack Snyder in general, that he did the same thing with, you know, Batman v Superman, um, which, you know, is a conversation for another day, I'm sure. Um, But, but, you know, I, I think that Watchmen definitely suffers from, uh, having a lot of things missing from it that are replaced in the extended version. And then the story, like I said, is just, is too big. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, the HBO series uh, to see what they're going to do. It's obviously, it's going to be uh, very different than the graphic novel, but um, I, you know, at least from what I've seen and, and heard and read, it's not going to be uh, like a sequel to, you know, Watchmen. It's just going to be kind of just a different, a different take with similar characters, including some that are the same um, of that alternate kind of mid 1980s timeline. And and so it's just going to be kind of a, uh, an opportunity to tell a different story. That's very similar. So I, you know, I'm looking forward to that and seeing what'll, what'll come out of that. Yeah. I think that Watchmen show is basically pseudo same world, no linking story, but 20, 30 years later. So it's just how all that stuff has evolved. That's kind of my understanding. Yeah. What that thing is. But on top of that, the, the other thing, oh man, I had a point I was going to say about Watchmen, and it's kind of, I'm just, I think the biggest flaw of the film is that Osmond Diaz is not the villain. And because of the way a movie works, you have to have a villain. And I think that was the biggest mistake. Anybody who's never read the book, first five minutes into that movie, you knew Osmond Diaz was the villain. And you're not yeah. supposed to know that. And I think that was kind of one of the bigger kind of letdowns with that film. Anyway, all right, let's see if we can rock it through some more of these. Um, I know this is the one you really want. Dylan, do you agree with me? I think their motives are right, not what they do. Any that root that you root for more than the hero. What you got, buddy? Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's I'm coming back to my X-Men roots, and it's Magneto. I have always loved uh, that character. I think, um, you know, his motivations uh you know make a make a lot of sense you know you when you understand who he is and what he went through and how that shaped him as an individual you understand why he has the perspective that he does um and so yeah we may not always agree with how he chooses to uh you know pursue uh that action but um it's it's something that is always really uh really intrigued me and I I've you know I know that it was originally um there was you know there's been a lot of conversation about how the Professor X and Magneto um you know relationship uh, and their their perspectives was kind of you know tied to civil rights and it was the Martin Luther King and Malcolm X kind of dichotomy I think that's generally lazy and doesn't uh really get into how how much uh, in depth and, and complex Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Professor X, and uh, Magneto are. I think that, you know, yeah, it's, it's an easy parallel to draw, but I think you're missing a lot. Um, and certainly with Magneto, I think that is a character that I have always very much understood and identified with his perspective of, you know, being the, the persecuted one who is now, 
um, you know, has this perspective of I'm not going to allow myself and my people to be in that situation ever again. I'm never, I'm not going to allow that to happen. And if that means that I need to be militant about it, if that means that I need to take action about it, then uh, I will do that. And, um, you know, it's kind of the isolationist, protectionist, me first uh, type of uh, mentality. And again, when you look at the experiences that he, that he went through, I think it makes perfect sense for his character. And I've always uh, really enjoyed the complexity that he that he has brought to that um, and you know if you look at beyond just the character itself um, you know I've, I've thought in both the uh, series of X-Men movies with Ian McKellen and then Michael Fassbender I've thought both of those actors have really captured that internal conflict um, of, of the character and how he's you know he's very protective of the people that he cares about uh, and will always do that except for that very awful moment in X-Men three, the last stand when he says, I don't care about the pawns, which is completely out of character and terrible. But other than that, (laughs) I I love uh, the portrayals of Magneto. Gotcha. I think I'm a little bit on the same. I also did um, in black Panther. There was definitely a moment of like, uh, this guy's kind of nailing on the head with Kira Killmonger. Oh, 100%. And then um, I'm trying to think if there's any others. Uh, I mean, just kind of, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, think about Thanos. You know, it's just perfectly logical to uh, destroy half the people in the universe rather than create more resources, right? <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> I always like that one meme where it's like, you know, you have – you have six kids and, and, and eight chairs, what do you do? And Or six kids and four chairs, and Thanos is like, you know, kill half the kids, and Iron Man's like, uh, make two more chairs? <laughs> like, 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 what are we talking about here? That you're just wanting to off people up and right? It was just kind of funny to me. Um, all right, so let, let's, we're going to rock it through a couple more. Some of these we're going to skip just because either one, like something like who's your favorite Batman, I know that's been discussed in previous episode and or will be discussed further as we get into the Batman films. Um, what is your favorite non-Kevin Conroy animated DC movie? Do you watch any of the directed DVD DC movies? Um, I, I definitely have. I would struggle to tell you which ones are, are Kevin Conroy and which ones aren't. So, <laughs> okay. um, well, then, I, I don't know. Did, did he do Under the Red Hood? He did not. That was Bruce Greenwood. Well, there you go. Then that's my favorite one. Okay. <laughs> I think, honestly, Batman Hush, the recent one, was really, really good. I thought he was, uh, it was, it was good, but, you know, curveball here, Batman versus Teenage Ninja Turtles, I think is the best direct-to-DVD animated film that they produced probably in the last four years. So, if you want to have a lot of fun and see some amazingly awesome fight scenes that are better than probably any fight scenes I've ever seen in an animation... Go watch Batman versus Teenage Ninja Turtles. Uh, who's your favorite Batman? Well, yeah, we're going to skip that because it'll be in a different... Uh, do you all watch the WBDC shows? Do you keep up with any of the WBDC shows? I do not. I have literally never seen a single episode of any of them. I watched Arrow for a season and a little, and it didn't grab me. I don't. Nothing wrong with Stephen Amell. I think he did a good job portraying Batman. I mean, Green Arrow. But... Um, I think that it just kind of like there was too much going on. I'm the kind of person 
where if I'm watching a TV show and I latch onto characters I like, I don't want any other characters in the show. And there were just way too many characters in that show that had nothing to do with why the show was called Arrow. And I just got to the point of like, I don't care about the dad. I don't care about Laurel. I don't care about the friend. I don't care about this. Don't care about... And then when they started doing the flashbacks and you added five more characters, I'm like, nope, still care even less <laughs> about all these people. So if that had just been called Arrow and it was just about Arrow, like Burn Notice is the best show that's not a comic book show that should have been a comic book show. It's the three of them. Have you ever seen Burn Notice? I have, yeah. I'd never thought about it in that perspective. Dude, if you if he every time he went to be a BA, he, he dressed up as Moon Knight, it's perfect Moon Knight show. But anyway, um, that's my thing. In my mind, Burn Notice is the epitome of how a comic book show should be. You've got the main hero, female sidekick, male sidekick, nobody else. Every so often you have the mom and the brother show up, but for the most part, it's just the three of them. That to me is the staple of what could be an amazing because even the like I'm not even knocking the WBDC stuff, even the the Netflix shows, like there was a whole episode of Daredevil that just had Foggy and Karen going out on a date. I'm like, dude, I care less about these people <laughs> than anything in the world. I don't need to see this. And then on top of that, in the same season, there's episodes of just a kingpin trying to get laid. No, no. No, it's called Daredevil, <laughs> not Hell's Kitchen. Daredevil needs to be in every scene, at least 95% of the scenes. And of those 95% of them, 50% of them should be him whipping some butt. So yeah, it, I really, that was my, my thing with any of those TV shows. I know you have to fill up the time, but yeah. fill it up with cool, interesting things. You know, um, <clears throat> you know like, like Smallville, I didn't mind it as much because it's called Smallville, not Clark. Sure. If it had been called Clark, I'd probably be like, all right, why am I watching this other crap? But it was called Well, that's, Spider-Man. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at something like Gotham, which, you know, just goes all over the place. And I, I was in it for about a season, and then it just got, it got too crazy for me. Um, but that was, you know, it was just like every episode was jumping around to a new character. And, um, you know, that, again, it was named Gotham. It was about the city. It was about you know, descending the city, descending into madness. And so, well, it, it got too crazy for me. It, you know, I mean, it chugged along for like six seasons or whatever. I don't know. It was crazy. Yeah. No, I I think flash was really good. I really liked it because it was flash, but it did start going off the rails a bit after about the third or fourth season. And I kind of checked out and and now what it is, my wife still follows it. So every so often if she's watching, I don't avoid it and watch an episode but i'm not like die hard got to see what's going on um and then i think i watched the first season of supergirl which i really liked and then the second season they tried to horseshoe in the whole gay sister thing so horribly just so horribly bad that i just checked out immediately plus they really changed the tone and the way that show worked anyway because it was a different network I was just like, no, I'm done. I don't, I don't care about this show. Um, DC Legends, uh, it, nah, I was never going to be into that show. <laughs> yeah, no. The Batwoman, maybe. I got to see. Nothing Chick has done has made me think she can carry a show, but we'll just have to check it out and see. Um, so, yeah, that's about all I think of the WB shows. Are there any others? I mean, like, you know what I do is I'll watch the crossovers. Yeah, crossovers are always fun. I'll watch those, but uh, aside from that, I don't really keep up with them on a regular. 
Um, let's see. Okay, I think we answered that. Blah, 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 blah. Do you play video games? Do you have a favorite superhero video game? Um, you know, I mean, I, I play uh, every once in a while. It's been a long time since I've picked anything up. I, I liked the Arkham Asylum games. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed uh, those Batman games, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't get too much into the superhero games. I've, I've actually, I want to uh, get the new Spider-Man game, um, but I just, I don't, I don't have time, so I haven't wasted the money yet. Gotcha. I think the, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, kind of, I, I, I did not include them in the cartoon one, so I'm gonna include them in this one. I don't remember what it was called, but it was based on the 2003 Teenage Mutant Turtle cartoon, and it was for the Xbox. And it was one of these, you know, multiple people can play the characters. And it was a very yeah. fun one. And I loved that. I think it was just called TMNT. It was I think like, it was. The, yeah, I, I remember playing that and I loved that game too. That was a great game. Oh, man. And me and my buddy, we realized that Donatello, only Donatello and Mikey could do it, is if you could get one of the Foot Clan in a certain corner. You could just juggle them as long as you could hit the button. <laughs> so he and I would have competitions because we play, we go and get drunk and then go home and just play the game all the time. And we would just see who could get the most combos. And I think, you know, it stopped counting after 99. But yeah, <laughs> just, just da, 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 da. And so the last question we got is what non DC Marvel hero would make for the best video game? What do you got, Robert? What do you think? Non-Marvel and DC character making the best video game. Well, my my knowledge of non-Marvel and DC characters is not uh, expansive. Um, <laughs> but I will say, uh, you know, even though I think it's it's now been absorbed into it, um, give me a Watchmen game. Give me a, a, a Rorschach, uh, you know, and Night Owl game. I think they, they did one that was very limited. It only had a couple of levels. Um and you know it was it was okay um but you know give me something you know set in the set in the 80s and uh you know a, a watchman where you can be maybe the comedian or or rorschach you know definitely you'd have to do it without uh without dr manhattan but um something set in that world uh i'd, I'd be on board with i you know i i'm a big fan of watchmen so uh, a, a fighting or, or adventure type game um maybe where you're solving a mystery something like that um that would work for me it'll be interesting is to i don't know if it'd be a dlc or maybe its own game but like an mmo based in the watchmen world yeah you know that would be fun but no i think honestly thinking about some of the games like maybe like a pseudo tomb raider or something like that is something with uh hellboy really kind of dig deep in the alternate worlds and the different mythology you know what i mean i think that would be cool you there yeah oh. yeah i'm here okay sorry <laughs> now that it keeps cutting off and doing all that crap i'm like ah okay so yeah i think that would make a good a good video game um yeah i i have seen you know the the hellboy moves with ron perlman um didn't see the newest one so i i don't have a lot of insight into that character but certainly i think that that's an interesting world um where you know you've got monsters and different things and so yeah you can definitely make that into a an interesting video game as well yeah i think so um all right so i said ask me a question ask you a question why don't you hit me with your question if you have one and we'll do that real quick and then i'll hit you up with one and we'll see where that goes <laughs> yeah so i 
I guess the the question that I was thinking of is, you know, just thinking from a movie standpoint, as someone that you know uh, came to uh, you know a lot of these movies later later than you did. I don't have the same history and background. Um, for you, I would say, what is the what's the inflection point? What is the the movie that you know you really saw things things turn the corner um, in terms of the overall quality or maybe just even the the amount of money being sunk into the movies um you know what was it that that changed it uh you know what what movie was it that came out that really changed the game for for comic book or superhero movies i think there's two i'm gonna try and do the speech and not get cut off so (laughs) okay i think blade definitely one Because I think without Blade, you never get anything else because that was the first one that was kind of the, you know, um, look at you, a rated R adult comic. And what you can do is you can take a comic nobody knows about and make an interesting movie out of it because nobody's going to cry about the differences. And I, yep. I think the first Spider-Man shows, hey, we can make, comics that we can make comic movies that look like the comic because x-men they just they didn't didn't look like a comic book blade doesn't look like a comic book and i think super spider-man was the first one really and i'm talking modern era you know superman doesn't count but yeah that was the first one that like you know look we're just going all in he's wearing you know because you know like i said other comic books have always kind of changed it or done the black leather thing that the one that really changes the game severely is Batman Begins. Yeah, I think what starts happening, especially with something like X Men Three, is we start veering back into the camp, and that's what happens a lot of times with the comic book movies. Batman with Michael mm-hmm. Batman and Robin, right? You start veering into the camp because now you're trying to get. The dollar, you know, you, you you don't, you know, and I don't think we need to do that. And I think Batman Begins is the one that kind of took everything and said, no, look, get a solid character story, get a solid actor to play your guy, surround him by amazing talent, and get them to be good characters as well. Give the villains a real interesting, not so much world conquering, but an alternate kind of villain plan. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, changes the game. And I don't think that's how Batman begins. You get Iron Man at all. And, yeah. of course, Iron Man. Everyone wants to say Iron Man created the MCU. I'm not, I'm not knocking anything he did. But let's be honest. Avengers made the MCU. Because none of those movies before Avengers, they were hits. But they were not astronomical moneymakers until the Avengers movie. Correct. And I think that the Avengers is the one that kind of made the MCU go, boosh, we are here. This is it. We're not going anywhere. We're about to create a separate genre of film that is going to just monopolize everything. (laughs) And I think that's, in my opinion, what changes it. And then um, I think the last one that I will say is kind of a game changer to me is um is is Captain America Winter Soldier. And I think the reason that one is a game changer is now it's like, okay, 
They're comic book movies. They're comic books. They're here. Now, watch this. We can take a character, a comic book character, and put them in a completely separate genre film, and it's going to work. Yeah. Because, you know, you really watch, if you watch The Winter Soldier, similar to Batman Begins in a way, is um, he spends most of that movie not in his costume. Yeah. I mean, the whole second and beginning of third act, he's in just civilian clothes. He's got the shield, but he's not wearing his costume. So I think that movie then gave you like, okay, we can make Ant-Man a heist film. We can make Thor a comedy. We can make Logan a uber depressing, horrible Western, you know? And I think that is the one that kind of turned that what a superhero movie could be into oh it can be anything as long as you keep the character there that that i think those are the big ones in my opinion that kind of really monstrously of comic movies yeah i mean when you look at you know the overall um arc of the mcu i mean up through 2013 which is when i think you had iron man 3 and thor the dark world you know most of those movies are are very very similar i like them all but you know they're very similar it's 2014 with when you get winter soldier and guardians of the galaxy um that marvel just completely changed the game yeah yeah and that that, that's that's kind of my thing all right so did i answer your question (laughs) i i think you answered it uh, multiple times yeah (laughs) all right i think i think the question for you which i may have actually sparked into you in a way is like you know what would be a comic book superhero show that you really would want to go watch? Oh, man. Um, well, I, yeah, I think for me, what I would want to see is a a show that is, you know, I mean, I, I guess for me, what, what draws me in um, and what I love about, you know, media in general is is a story that, you know, that is really compelling um, character motivations that are, that are very compelling. The, the visual stuff, the, you know, big explosions, uh, you know, that stuff for me, it's, it's very much secondary. Um, There's a reason that, you know, some of the, you know, a movie and I'll go off the comic book uh, train for just a second, but a movie like Mad Max Fury Road that, you know, got very, very high praise from a lot of people I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it because the story was incredibly basic. You know, the, the visuals were amazing. Um, you know, the, there was a lot of really cool action scenes, but, you know, that's just not my type of movie. So when I think of a superhero or comic book style uh, show that I would be really invested in, it would be something that is very... Um, is very story driven is very character driven. Uh, so, you know, I, I love uh, Captain America is, is one of my favorite characters, just like he's one of yours. Um, so you give me a, a world war two era story with, with him and, and the howling commandos going on different missions. Um, that would be really intriguing to me. You give me something, uh, you know, even, I don't know where you where you take just a character that is, 
maybe used to being in one setting and you drop them in a different setting, um, I think could be really, uh, really incredible. You, you know, you take someone like Batman and strip away his, his tools and strip away his uh, ability maybe to be Batman. So turn Bruce Wayne into a, uh, you know, into a, uh, into a homeless guy where he doesn't have the bat cave and he doesn't have all of his gadgets and his tools. And, you know, he doesn't have Alfred and all of those things. And he really just has to rely on, you know, himself and his own ingenuity. Um, that would be something that would be really intriguing to me because now you're, you're really having to do a deep character study of that individual. So that's the type of thing I would be really drawn into. I loved, um, you know, the Netflix show, uh, I really loved Punisher. I thought both seasons were, were really good yes. um, because they really focused on on the character and the journey he was going through. Um, so that's those are the types of things that uh, you know are really what I'm drawn to in in a TV show. Okay, perfect. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up, brother. I appreciate you taking the time to do this, uh, everybody. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys listening and sending in questions if we're going to post this up there probably before the end of today this is wednesday depends on how i get this thing worked out <laughs> but <laughs> after this show you have more questions you want to continue the conversation please come to our facebook group it's facebook.com slash groups slash fanboy junction with a k and uh, we will get it all taken care of robert say bye to everybody bye to everybody all right we will catch you guys next time thanks a lot